Today, uh, we want to talk about God's faithfulness. I want to talk about God's faithfulness in the mission. I want to, uh, the reason God is faithful in the mission is because it's his mission. And um, I want to talk about uh, several things about that. Uh, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That'll kind of be our theme verse today. God is faithful because we are called into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's because of him um, and his, his glory and his desire for the world to see his glory. And we were called into fellowship with him. Um, God is faithful to his glory being known to all peoples and all places. God is faithful to his mission, his mission. God is faithful to his church. God is faithful to his people. That means you and me. And God is faithful for his kingdom to come. Already, not yet. Um, let me go back. Let's, let's, let's stop. We'll pray, and then we'll get started. I'll try to share with you as best I can our ministry there, and um, maybe even some, um, uh, kind of pull that verse apart with uh, some other verses. Father God, we want to thank you, and we want to praise you, Lord God, for, for who you are. It is because of you, Lord God, that we sit here today. It's because of you that we have fellowship because of the relationship that you called us into, that relationship with you, Lord God. Father, there are millions today, millions, Lord God, who have never heard the name Jesus Christ. If we sit in a comfortable room today, we get to fellowship with one another. We get to have communion with you. We get to have fellowship with you. No other peoples who don't know Jesus Christ can do that. What a privilege it is to know you, to be called into your fellowship. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And I pray today that people would be energized toward the mission. Because, Father God, you empower them to it. And, Father, I pray that uh, you would be glorified in everything that we say and everything that we do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So, God is faithful. Let me ask you a question. What is our purpose? Anyone? What is our purpose? What is the purpose of... Why were we born? What is our purpose? Glorify God. You got it. If I had candy, I'd throw it to you. I don't have any. And I'm not giving you my new headphones. Okay? (laughs) Um, Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So it's, you know, when Nancy and I were called overseas, uh, we believe that we were called by God overseas to go first to Indonesia and now we're in Nepal. It wasn't like, hey, let's put God's glory in our back pocket and go to the ends of the earth. God's glory is there. But there's a blanket of darkness over it. So we get the privilege We've been invited into a relationship that we get the privilege of essentially poking holes in the darkness so God's glory can shine and people can see it for the very first time. And, you know, it's interesting. You'd be surprised who's never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's your neighbor. I was 20 years old. I've heard the name of Jesus Christ, but I never heard the gospel clearly. And I lived in central Pennsylvania. Um, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and countless of millions of redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Now, we think of worship by beating drums and and playing the guitar and singing. That's one way. But in Corinthians, it says, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Everything that we do can worship God. And should. 
But worship abides forever. Missions is temporary. I can't wait till it's over. I'm tired. I, you know, I'm ready. You know? I'm sick of no electricity, bad food, you know? Constant toilet runs. I mean, come on. Uh, and they sang a new song, it says in Revelation 5.9. Saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Men from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. Every nation. That word nation means ethne. Ethne is a Greek word. It means people groups. We think of nations many times as geopolitical, like Syria. But there's many people groups in Syria, like India. There are thousands of people groups in, uh, in, in India. So every people group, every tongue, every tribe. What is our mission? Our mission is very simple. God told us. It's very funny. Not funny, but unique in a funny way. You know, so the, the last thing that God says is the mission, right? The last thing that Jesus says before he, in, in the, we see it in the book of Acts. We see it in the book of Matthew. We see it in the book of Mark. Okay? And he says this. You will receive power. It's the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. You will be my witnesses. What do witnesses do? They testify, right? How good is a witness who doesn't testify? Not very good, right? Figure, I wouldn't want, if I were being charged with a crime and someone was a witness and said that I didn't do the crime, just to have him sit there. I'd want him to say something, right? He didn't do it, okay? Okay? So we're witnesses. We're witnesses, not, okay, so we are to be witnesses. And Jesus came upon them and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Ethne, that word ethne again, right? All people groups. Go, make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always. I like that lo. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So our mission is to be witnesses and go out and what? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded to the end of the age. And then in Mark, if Jesus hadn't said it enough. So here's what you have. In Acts, you have go to all places. Go to Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then it says in Matthew, go to all peoples. And then Mark sums it up. And he says, go into all the world, places, and proclaim the gospel to whole creation. So we are to go to all places and all peoples. That's our mission. Our purpose is to glorify God. Our purpose is to allow other people and treat them into a relationship so that they can glorify God. Because there are many people that I come in contact with, and maybe there are many people, even in, in, in Philadelphia area, and I know there are, there are sections of Philadelphia where they've never even heard the name of Christ. They're immigrants. They've come in, they've never really heard the name of Christ. They've never heard, they can't understand the radio. The difference between a consumer's church and a missional church. Church, as a consumer's church, is seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services. You come in and to be fed, to have their needs met through quality programs that professionals teach their children about God. That is different from what the church, that is different from these verses. The verses are saying that we are missional. All of us are missional. 
Not just me. Not just Rick and Nancy and Corinne and Caleb and Karis. We are all missional. We're all called to the same mission. We're all called to the same worship. It may look different, but we are all called to go. And that means going to our neighbor. It may mean going to a bedroom in our house and talking to our teenagers or talking to our children or talking to our spouse. But we are to go. A missional church is a body of people sent on a mission who gather in a community for worship like you are doing now and encourage one another, teaching from the word. In addition to that, they are self-feeding. So you're reading the Bible out uh, through the week yourselves throughout the week. I am the church. We don't come to church. We are the church. Right? So we move from internal to external in terms of ministry focus. We turn from program development to people development. We make disciples. We're people investors. From the church base to the kingdom base in terms of leadership agenda. The Gospels reflect the fact that mission is the essence of the church's life, not just an aspect of it. Do you understand what I mean? It's not a pie chart. Here's our mission part. We go, we are mission. We go mission. We're missional people. That's what we were called to do. The term mission presupposes a sender, God, a person or persons, us, by the sender, and those to whom one is sent. Who? All people groups, all places. Whole creation, right? An assignment. What's the assignment? To teach them, baptize, right? And then to teach them to obey to the ends of the earth. Well, what about these people groups? So what do you think about people groups like this? So I, is, is anyone hungry in here right now? I'm going to make you more hungry, okay? Okay, people groups are like this. The world is like a waffle, not a pancake, Okay? So a pancake, you pour on syrup and you can get it all over it, right? But a waffle, it's like, it goes in a cranny here, it goes in a cranny there. What are they called? Nooks, crannies, I don't know. Let go of my ego, it used to be nooks and cranny, right? Yeah. You got to be my age to remember that. So waffle, you're, you're pouring in the, the syrup. And it, sometimes it gets in some of the nooks and crannies and sometimes it doesn't. Well, those are like people groups, all right? We don't just pour the gospel and it goes all over. There's times when I go to villages and, and, and neighborhoods too, in Philadelphia or anywhere, where you would, there's, the gospel has been proclaimed there. And there's, there's believers. Yet, the village next door is a different religion, a different people group, and they have nothing to do with it, and there's no syrup on that. That's an empty nook. You get, you get my picture? You get the picture of people groups now? People groups are like those little nooks and waffles, not like a pancake. Okay, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, ethne, all the people groups, and then the end will come. What is the greatest thing that could happen in missions? That. All the people groups have been proclaimed, the gospel has been proclaimed. Because then what's it saying? That Matthew 24 verse is talking, Jesus is talking to his steps. They ask him, when will you come back? When will you return? And this is how Jesus replies to it. All the other things, just like there'll be earthquakes, there'll be wars. We have all that, right? We can't do anything about that. But what we can do is that we can go into all the world and all the nations and we can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the neat thing about this is it's not given to the IMB, this uh, job. It's given to all of us. We're all a part of this plan. We're all part of this mission, whether you're sending and whether you're going, whether you're praying, whether you're, you're uh, giving support. The global status of evangelical Christianity. 
So this is what led us to India. That red blob in the middle there is the greatest concentration of lostness on Earth. And that is just little dots. They're little dots of people groups, each one of them. So it looks like it's just, we call it the, the red heart of lostness, the beating heart of lostness. And each one of them are people groups, which means that these are unreached people groups, less than 2% evangelical, some evangelical resources available. Uh, uh, and then they're also unengaged and unreached. Unengaged unreached people groups, that means UUPG, they're simply, there's no witness whatsoever to that group. So in other words, they've never heard the gospel and there's no plan for anyone taking the gospel to them. South Asia people groups, where we are, there are 1,925 South Asian people groups. 1,637 of them are unreached. That means less than 2%. That's 1.4 billion people. Unengaged, unreached, 679 people groups. 59 million people not heard the gospel. God is faithful in his mission. Are we going to be faithful in reaching all those people who are unreached and unengaged? We are up in Nepal. Um, if you look up in uh, Kathmandu right there, the, the little star, that area of Nepal is where I work. Essentially, my job is to try to facilitate church planning, reproducing churches among all the Muslims of that area. There are over 90 million Muslims in that area of the world. In fact, in, by 2050, India will be the largest Muslim nature, nation on earth and the largest nation by population on earth. Um, we have about 10 people who cover that whole area with the IMB. That's 90 million people. But that whole area in, in itself, there are almost 500 million people. In other words, 20, it, it's almost 53% uh, higher than the United States in the size of Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona. Every day, 31,000 people are born to lostness, and every day, 10,000 people die. In fact, for the time that we've spent here, for every minute we've been here, seven people have died in this area, most of whom have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. It's brutal. One worker to every 3.7 million, 3 million people, that's like uh, me being responsible for the state of Oklahoma. Why North India and Nepal? God is faithful. Nepal is one of the fastest growing churches in the world. There's one nation that the church is growing faster than Nepal. Nepal's church is growing that fast. We are, we're, we're making a dent in lostness. This is a cookery knife. Uh, you can go to the next slide. One more. One more slide. There you go. Why not say Nepal? Nepal, uh, this, this is um, all the, the army has this knife. This knife is kind of iconic to Nepal. You can go to the next slide, which is a map of Nepal. We're going to kind of whip through these ones, okay? All right. And um, these are some pictures we took. Uh, let's see. Seven out of the top, uh, ten, eight out of the top ten peaks are in Nepal. It's full of crowds. There's people in the rural areas. Um, there's babies. And, <laughs> and this is an orphanage that we, we work with. That's my daughter, Corinne. Keep going. Keep going. There's Hindus, Muslims, and cute American kids on elephants. There's uh, narrow ways. Can you stop right here? 
This is uh, uh, the Bodhis Stupa. So in, in, in Kathmandu, where we live, there's a stupa. It's called the Bodhis Stupa. And essentially, it's a Buddhist temple. And what people do all day long is they walk around this temple and they spin wheels. And um, that's how they worship. And it's kind of like a physical picture of someone just going in circles, you know, spiritually. Because they never really achieve it. They just keep walking around in circles. And um, it reminded me of a scripture. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is not their, is for them is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with the knowledge, for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Every day, people were walking around there thinking that they're connecting with God. In April 23rd, we had an earthquake, major earthquake. You can go to the next two slides. Um, there was great devastation. While we were... Um, it's tough sometimes living in a third world. And one of the things, we, have, we get uh, volunteers to come over and help us do some church planning, some teaching, and things like that. And I had a group of pastors from Colorado with me. And we had left to go to uh, essentially a church planning training. And while we were driving um, in the car, in the van, um, the major earthquake hit, 7.9 earthquake. We didn't feel it. So that's either a testament to the, the, the Paul Rhodes or the insensitivity of, seven, insensitivity of seven men sitting in a van. So, um, um, but we did not feel that. But one of the things that happened before, two hours before the earthquake, um, one of the men said, what is the hardest thing about living in Nepal? And I said, the hardest thing about living in Nepal is that I will be doing a training like this and going out of Kathmandu. There'll be a major earthquake and my family will be back in Kathmandu. Never say stuff like that. Seriously. So that's exactly what happened. Um, and my, my greatest fear came. But God was faithful. As soon as that happened, we, we, were, we found out the devastation that had occurred. Uh, that we had to work our way back. It took us about six hours to get where we were. And it took us about 14 to get back. We were dodging rocks and things like that. Um, but one of the things that happened was I, I opened my Bible. I don't, I don't say use this as a uh, Bible study technique. But just open your Bible and say, hey, there's, God's got a message for me. But... I open to this verse. God is our refuge. This, this is a testament of God's faithfulness. God is our refuge and strength and an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake and they're surging with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwell. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms will fall. His, he lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought upon the earth. He makes the war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted to the ethnic, to the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's just, he just does that. And we all, you know, seven blubbering men started crying, you know, um, knowing that God was with us. You can keep going. We're going to go through some of these slides. 
They do earthquake evacuation drills. This was an iconic uh, tower inside of Kathmandu. We've often thought about going up it. I said to my kids, I don't want to be up there if there's an earthquake. Somebody was, not, not just somebody. There was about 30 people. Um, just a lot of devastation during that time. We keep going through. Keep going. This uh, temple is a temple to the God of preservation. And that's what happened. We place our faith in gods that aren't the real God. Keep going. They burned their bodies and sent them down the rivers when, and there was a lot of that going on. This, that's our children's school. They weren't in school that day, praise the Lord. God is faithful. Then you go back to that one. Uh, God is faithful. The vehicle of God's mission is his church. One of the things that we recognized when this, this terrible thing happened in Nepal, this earthquake, was that God, the local church, responded in amazing ways. And what it convinced us is that we were doing the right thing while we were over there. Because what we do there, essentially, is to build reproducing churches. You're a reproducing church, right? You've planted two or three churches from here. Um, reproducing churches are healthy churches. It, and one of the things that we realized, too, the, the, you saw the task, right? Millions of people. There's only way for us to be, the key to international missions is indigenous church. The key to Philadelphia is indigenous churches. The key to Hatboro Horsham is indigenous churches. Churches of the people who are there. These two guys standing here, uh, one is a, a Hindu background believer, the other is a Muslim background believer. That only happens with Christ when you can put Hindus and Muslims together. Hindus dislike Muslims more than like, dislike Christians, and Muslims dislike Hindus more than they dislike Christians. They don't get along. It's oil and water. Here they are working together and coming to the aid of others during the earthquake. You can keep going. Keep going. We build these shelters for $100 each during the earthquake, and they turn them into houses. They were just supposed to be temporary shelters. They can house two people. You go to the next one. So 9,000 people died uh, during the earthquake. There was two of them. Um, we were there during that time. Uh, the second earthquake, we were actually out of the country when it came. Um, but one of the things I want to point out is the three and a half, four years before this earthquake, over 900,000 people died without Christ. That's just as tragic as that one day without a message. Now they have an embargo against, uh, India has an embargo against Nepal, and they, they're not getting food, they're not getting um, gas in, in the country right now. They're starting to shut down the internet because they can't, because during the winter there's no rain, so the water's not flowing, so they, can't, they don't have power. There's, uh, often during the winter we were without power for 12 to 18 hours a day. Um, and the situation is quite desperate right now. God is faithful. His people are being discipled. And go to the next one. Next slide. This is my wife is doing a training with a bunch of women in, in uh, upstairs. We were doing training with men downstairs. They were doing a training that would help girls uh, um, essentially uh, learn about things that mothers are supposed to tell them, and they don't. And learning about um, being trafficked into India, where one, every 21 minutes, girls from Nepal is trafficked into India for prostitution. Um, and 
what they also do, they build that around church planning and being able to share the gospel. So in other words, they're teaching them some valuable lessons that they can go out and reproduce in their villages at the same time. They're teaching them how to share the gospel and to start and plant churches. Um, this was a leadership conference we had. And if you see that building down there, we built that building um, for about $5,000. And it sits on the property of my, one, my best partner. And there's six girls who have been rescued from India, from trafficking, who live in that house, who've all been, have shared, uh, the gospel, they have all come to Christ, and they've all been baptized. And we're about ready to build another one, where we're having, um, essentially, church families adopt some of these girls, because they can't go back to their villages, because they have uh, such shame is brought upon their families if they do. It is a very sad situation, but the ultimate goal is building healthy churches because that's what's going to keep them from uh, that's who's going to adopt them out uh, uh, after we rescue them and also prevent it from happening to begin with God is faithful in planning reproducing churches and developing leaders these are essentially healthy church maps these are churches that we've planted we didn't plant them the nationals have planted we've we've taught them how and essentially each one of these circles if you just kind of go through these each one of these circles represent churches and then all those symbols, if you go back to that last slide, all those symbols essentially talk about the five functions of the church that you could find in Acts 2, 40, uh, 41 through 47. Is there a leader, baptism, Lord's Supper, God's Word? Is there uh, giving? And are, is there ministry within and ministry without? And essentially, if it's inside the circle, it's healthy, functioning church. If it's outside the circle, it means that well, there's areas that we have to help them with. And so, keep going. This is, uh, they are all Muslim churches here. Muslim background churches, go ahead. Next one. This is uh, four generations of churches. You see that fourth gen over there. And see the, these names here? They're all people groups. When we talk about ethne, the people groups, right there. They're all different people groups that have been, that have been reached. The Magahi and the Sonar and the Nayak and the Nawari and the Chitri and the, the, the Rai and the Guru. Those are people groups that are in these churches. So God is working. He's doing awesome work, amazing work. You can keep going. One more. Okay, so what is bigger than God? And if we do this with international missions, millions will perish. Anyone? Riddle for this morning? Is, what's bigger than God? There you go, nothing. Thank you. Beautiful. I knew we had a good group here. All right? Um, nothing. And our only response to the commissions in Matthew, Mark, and Acts are to pray, to give, to go, to send. We are all responsible for international missions, all of us. So when it says go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, it's not saying go to Jerusalem, and then when you're done with that, go to Judea, when you're done with that, go. It's not saying that. In fact, it says both. That means going out and doing all. And you have to find your part. What is our part internationally? What is our part? 95% of the wealth of the church is in America. 95% of the lostness is outside of America. That's pretty... We talked about generosity, right? I mean, let's think about that. And it is our responsibility. We can't turn it... See, he made a mistake inviting me here today. Because now I've told you. Now you know. Now you have to decide what are we going to do about it, right? If he wouldn't have invited me, then it would have been... Ignorance is bliss, right? Right? So 
Think about that. Where's my part? Where's our part as a church? What, is, what are we going to do to get to those people groups? Remember that, that verse in Matthew 24, 14. When they all hear, then the end will come, right? What a great way of, wouldn't it be neat? Wouldn't it be awesome if something that we were supporting, something you were supporting, something I was supporting, or we were supporting that last person who talked to that last people group? How awesome would that be? God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, what am I hearing? It's not mine. <laughs> um, God is faithful by whom you were called. In, uh, so, so um, when Nancy and I left for the field, we, we, we actually were church planners in, in Pennsylvania. And we were up in the Poconos. We had planned a church at Cell Church up in the uh, Poconos. Um, we used to be hip. Right? That was back in the 90s. Um, so anyway, so we, um, um, we went to Indonesia, and we were pretty pumped about going overseas. You know, we really believed God called us. And in our first year, um, I'm going to, can I move, this is the one I'm using? This one. All right. So um, our first year, I'm just going to, thank you. Beautiful. Um, we, um, I'm going to turn this off. In Nepal, this is a smooth transition. Okay? Um, so we, uh, everything was going really well, and then um, things didn't go really well. And I used to say wrongly when I was a pastor, I have to go back and apologize to all the people that I pastored, um, that the safest place in the world is to be in the middle of God's world, will. And um, it's just not true. The best place to be is in the middle of God's will. It's not always the safest. The, the apostles have shown that, right? I mean, goodness gracious, only one of them lived and, and died in a natural death in prison. And they all, the others were martyred. Um, uh, the goal of the Christian life is not to see how comfortable we can get or any of those things. And so um, our first... First, like right when I got there, I couldn't find my Bible. I was looking around. I grabbed my my wife's woman's uh, study Bible. So, and there's this poem in there, and it um, it said, uh, "I walked a mile with pleasure, and she chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. And I walked a mile with sorrow, and never a word said she, but oh, the thing I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. And um, I thought, wow, that's a really good line. And, I'm to steal that. I'm going to use it. And uh, it was unknown. You know, it's an unknown author. So, you know, I figured. Now it's known, right? <laughs> and and uh, I, added, um, I added a bunch of lyrics to it. And essentially, God gave me this song when things were going really well. And then about a month later, they weren't. And he was faithful enough to kind of give us this prayer. And it's how my wife and I look at it. Uh, we lost... Uh, we had two very um, hard miscarriages, and um, we're, we thought Nancy might have uh, cancer, and my father was diagnosed with cancer, and um, in the same day that my wife was rushing to Singapore, with she and I were rushing to Singapore because she needed blood transfusion, my father was getting his thumb removed uh, from cancer, and I called him up after my wife was fine, and we lost the baby. 
And I called him up. I said, hey, Dad, how's it going? He says, good. He says, he says the next time I see you, I'll give you a high four. <laughs> so, you know, it runs in the family, the bad jokes. Um, but in July, uh, he died. He died in July and that year. And he was, they said he was clean of cancer, and two months later he died. He died, I was on an airplane uh, over um, Asia at the time. And then we lost another child in July, and then and later that year my grandfather died of a stroke. And this song, God's Faithfulness, he kind of carried us through. So... She chatted all the way Left me none the wiser For all she had to say Yeah, I walked a mile with sorrow I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. All sorrows on my right hand, fear is nipping at my heels. You got me walking in circles. in my wheels Well I walked a mile with fear She's always shaking me to see All the terrible with hope oh, she led me through the worst when I forgot the words oh, hope sang me the verse our oh, gold's refined in fire Sometimes that's what we go through Oh, he's good if he'll spare us Better when he chooses not to He's making us new
walked a mile with wisdom Yet bleeds from our faith That in the midst of our journey Ah, he would not forsake Well, I walked the rest in love He walked with me And through my roughest roads I find My burden was carried Ah, gold's refined in fire Yeah, that's what we go through He's good if he'll spare us Better when he chooses not to He's making us new Why don't we pray? Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for Riverside. Thank you for those wonderful folks, Father. I pray that they would be a, an army, a legion, a family of, of missional people who go out and transform their communities, their homes. And Father God, that they would be a testimony. And they would go and share and make disciples. And Father God, I just thank you for the privilege of being yours, being called to you. And thank you for your faithfulness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.